this week on the Startup Advantage podcast. We have buying patterns and everything's been interrupted right now for businesses that are going out there and engaging and increasing accessibility and trust and building relationship and providing confidence. This is the biggest opportunity you'll ever have to create really strong customer relationships. Welcome to Startup Advantage, where first-time entrepreneurs gain encouraging insights on the strategies, habits, and mindsets of successful entrepreneurs. You'll hear conversations on how to be more efficient, live smarter, and increase your resilience to give you an advantage in the early stages of building your business. Even people we think are overnight successes, there's usually a story there. It usually took a decade or who knows how long that we don't know all the years and hours and late nights and different business models they tried. And it's about having the guts to actually do it. You know, I mean, all the planning in the world doesn't uh, solve for not taking action. So once you have that clarity and you can get dialed in on that day-to-day progress, that's where the magic can happen. You want to position yourself as a trusted solution partner for your customer base so that when they need something that you're in the arena of providing, you're who they think of. I'm your host, Tanya Derader a former broadcast journalist turned entrepreneurship coach. We'll also explore the role of relationships and how to approach entrepreneurship collaboratively as a team sport for a competitive advantage. Be part of it. Subscribe on your favorite podcast player at startupadvantagepodcast.com. Welcome to Startup Advantage with me, Tanya. Thank you for joining me for episode number 29 and for letting me be your guide again today. Each month, I have a question for you to get to know you better. This month, I want to know, what are your goals as we head into the new year? You can let me know by sending me a voice message or an email. I'd love to hear what you're focused on achieving. It helps me to help support you. And if there's a specific topic you'd love for me to talk about, do let me know. This week, we have a special guest on the podcast who is an expert on perspective and creating strong teams and customer relations. We're talking about the opportunity in change for building strong customer relationships with Patty Mara. I invited Patty because she will be able to help us move into the new year with a realistic yet optimistic perspective on how we can position our businesses and find opportunities and change to build strong customer relationships as we navigate through the uncertainty of the upcoming year. Patty has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurial-owned and operated businesses to help reposition them for success, and she's dramatically helped increase their growth, customer retention, and profit. And she is generously sharing a free copy of her Touchpoint Scorecard with you. It will help you to approach your customer interactions and Touchpoints thoughtfully, I'll share more details later in this episode on what the resource is and how you can use it and how you can get a free copy for yourself. At the end of this episode, I want you to feel encouraged that there are things that you can do to build strong relationships with your customers. Let's welcome Patty. Hi, Patty. Welcome to Startup Advantage. Your passion is helping people find the right perspective. And you have helped businesses generate extraordinary profits by shifting the perspective of its owners. And I'm so glad you can join us today because we need your help in shifting our perspective 
As entrepreneurs, as we go into the new year during the global pandemic, there's challenges that remain. There's a lot of uncertainty and there's also fear and change happening. So thank you so much for being here. Tanya, thank you. I love having these conversations at the beginning of a calendar year. It's a new perspective. Every year, it's a new perspective. And as you said, in particular this year, starting 2021, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So this is a new perspective in a completely different game. But in following your work, I've come to appreciate your very optimistic yet analytical viewpoint. And you've said that opportunity is the upside of change. I just love that. Why do you believe strongly that there is opportunity in change and challenge for entrepreneurs? I actually think this is the entrepreneur's advantage. Entrepreneurs are people who adapt to change. And the reason I love working with entrepreneurs, I only work with entrepreneurial companies. They have to be entrepreneurial owned and operated because everyone in an entrepreneurial organization is connected to the customer. Even if they're working behind the scenes, they're connected to the customer. So everyone is results-based and results-focused. And that has everyone in an entrepreneurial organization on the court. I like to talk about on the court of life. They're not in the stands. So these are the people that have an idea, put it out there and get feedback. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work. It's almost like part of the genetic code for being an entrepreneur is you are adaptable to change. So we actually have an advantage this year. We're going through this huge, massive shakeup. When I talk about the impact of the pandemic, I'm talking about the business opportunity, not the health cost. When we look back on this period, I think what we're dealing with, the crisis has interrupted all of our infrastructure, what we took for granted, how we thought we had to operate. It's all being interrupted. And there's a huge opportunity on that. I think we're going to reflect back on this period, 2020, and in going into 2021, as almost like a reset that is allowing the future faster. But you talk about reset, that businesses have to reset their approach. Why do you think some businesses are thriving right now in this environment, while some are hanging on and others are shutting down? What's that key to resetting? Oh, Tanya, I just love this question because you've really just got right to the heart of the matter. And the best way for me to do this is to give you some examples. A good friend of mine about two years ago opened a pet food boutique, like a small pet food boutique in a small store in a rural area, like 5,000 people in the town surrounding rural area, maybe 60,000 in the surrounding area, but the little wee town. And she did it because one of the really significant shifts that's happening right now, especially for retail and service businesses, which covers pretty much everything, is you can no longer wait for a customer to come to you. You have to be out there and engaging the customer and giving them a reason to come back and building that relationship. You cannot be transactional. So she was out at local farmer's markets. She has a social media presence. She got into local Facebook groups and she was posting all the time. In March, when we had the first lockdown, she invested a month to add Shopify to her website to give greater accessibility. Curbside started offering free delivery, which is just the owner and the manager running around deliveries. But she increased accessibility. She put herself out there, increased communication. She provided confidence and trust. 
So while people were dealing with all this uncertainty, their beloved animals, they felt like they were taken care of. So it's almost like it took one upset away and had people feel good. Not only has her business grown significantly month over month, but she opened a second location during the first lockdown, and that actually is thriving beyond the first. But she's not waiting for people to come in her door. Her whole approach right now is this is the opportunity to get customers. This is probably the biggest opportunity. Crisis interrupts all patterns. We have buying patterns and everything's been interrupted right now. For businesses that are going out there and engaging and increasing accessibility and trust and building relationship and providing confidence, this is the biggest opportunity you'll ever have to create really strong customer relationships. And contrast that. One of my favorite stores in the world, I'm a horse person. So one of my favorite stores is a local tax shop. It's a family owned. I love it. I know the people and they're not doing well. Their website is awful. The only saving grace is that most tax shops seem to have awful websites, but you can't find anything. You can't search for it. So they haven't used this period of time to figure out how to be more accessible. And people are spending money right now. We're not traveling. We're not doing some of the other things and they're spending money You have to make it easy for people to be accessible to what you offer. Patty, what I'm hearing is it's about entrepreneurs taking action to be visible online, to have that presence being accessible, and then also the relationship building part, building relationships with your customers. I had this question that I wanted to ask you about your expectations and predictions for the coming year. How would you say entrepreneurs should position their businesses for success in 2021? Is that kind of tying on to what you just Mm -hmm. spoke about? I think if you want to have a keyword for 2021, it needs to be accessibility. I'm going to recommend some action steps for any business. In particular, Tanya, you work with entrepreneurs that are starting up. Whatever experience, you've got wisdom, you've got talent. So who do you want to work with? First of all, identify who do you want to work with? One of the challenges when you're first starting your business is everyone is a potential customer. But as you start going through everyone's a potential customer, start honing in on who do you really enjoy? You enjoy working with them. They value what you're going to do, what you do for them, and they're willing to pay you for that. So when you know who they are and then find out what's important to them, what are their challenges? What are they excited about? How can you make their life easier? What, based on your talent and your skill set, what can you provide that makes their life easier? And the moment you do that, now you have something to position as a solution. It's really identifying what unique do you have to offer? And then how do you make it more accessible? We have so many more resources. When we talk about online, most of my clients are actually brick and mortar businesses. And one of the challenges for them is if you have a brick and mortar business, you can have a local focus to your business, but you still must have an online presence. That doesn't mean your focus is building a website for the world, but you need to build a website that creates more accessibility for your local audience versus my personal trainer. She used to come to my house to train me. And of course we had lockdown. She couldn't do that. So she started offering Zoom. All of a sudden, that's a flip for her. The whole world now is a potential for her. And so she's looking at how does she scale and make it easier for people to be in the fitness that they would like. Different focus, but it's how do you increase the accessibility? 
Thank you, Patty. That's great examples to help us visualize what it actually looks like. You mentioned their key is finding who you enjoy working with, that specific customer that you enjoy serving. How do you do that? What's the key to finding that group of customers? If you're in a startup mode, go talk to people, talk about what it is you do, what you love to do, what you believe you bring to the table, and then ask people, where do they see a fit? Learn to ask great questions. Because the moment you're asking great questions, people feel heard. They enjoy having the conversation with you. If they feel heard and listened to, they will share all the information you need to know. And now you start honing in on where did you do something that you really liked the outcome you created or who really valued working with you? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? You just start refining based on your experience. You've been an entrepreneur since university. And when you started out in the late 1980s as an entrepreneur, it was also during a time of change and challenge. It was during a recession. You seemed very much comfortable with the idea of change now. But back then, how did you feel and why did you get into entrepreneurship then despite the challenges? Uh, It's interesting because right when I graduated from university, it was actually the recession that was fueled by the first impact of microtechnology shifting management infrastructure. So I remember the headline that IBM was laying off middle managers for the first time in its history. And microprocessing started to replace the layers of people that were required in a company. And so nobody was hiring. And my dad had always said, you go to school, you get a degree, you find a job in a good company, they will provide you a training, and you will grow in that company. Nobody was hiring. I would say I don't come from an entrepreneurial background, but my grandparents were very entrepreneurial. Both sides of my family, my grandfathers were very entrepreneurial. One was an entrepreneur. So I grew up just a different way of thinking. Everything was on creating solutions and finding the right fit. And I had a t-shirt business when I was at university, one of my summer jobs, if you will. I got a student venture loan and designed t-shirts, had them manufactured and went in the streets of Toronto trying to sell my (laughs) t-shirts. So it turns out I loved everything about it, except for standing on the streets, trying to hawk my wares. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't necessarily very profitable summer, but at least I covered my expenses. And it was an interesting experience. I graduated. There were no jobs. And I just, I, I fell into trying to figure out where I fit. And I ended up falling into some network marketing companies. And I'm not a fan. I'm not a big proponent of network marketing. I think one of the challenges is that you're really somebody else's distribution channel And you don't control the business. So they can make changes at any time. So you can build something and not be able to control what happens with it, which for me is is a lot of effort. But I really learned a lot. So there was a skincare one, there was a water filter one, and there was a cat and dog food one. What was interesting in every single one of the experiences, I was really good at retailing. And Almost immediately, within a very short period of time, I was the one being called on to train everyone else in that organization on how to retail. So that led me into training, which then I just kept going on that path. So I'm very grateful for having graduated during a recession because it led me down a path. 
the other option I was leading into is what my dad did was in the banking industry, which I'm sure I would have found a path there. But I'm very happy with having dealt with that struggle to figure out where do I fit and what talent do I bring. Why do you encourage entrepreneurs to shift their business model from sales to solutions? This was actually the cornerstone of my book, Up Solutions. It's the blueprint, if you will, for how to position your business as a solution-based offering to the marketplace. The impact of the internet is that a lot of businesses have been commoditized. So either dealing with competing with national chains or they're lumped in with everyone else in the same industry, or people are buying off Amazon. And it just means you feel like you're forced to compete on price. This has been a trend that I've seen increasing for the last 20 years. I think there are actually new business rules. And what's happening this year is, again, this complete disruption that where it was an increasing trend, an increasing pressure trend, this year it's full stop. Either you're making a shift or you're really in trouble. So the new business rules are you must shift from focusing on sales to focusing on solutions. Your business is not what you sell. What you sell is just a vehicle for you to create solutions or results. So people say, I'm a real estate agent. I sell cars. I have a car garage. I'm a mechanic. We tend to talk about what we do in our business based on what the business is, the vehicle, if you will. But you need to be aware of who are you a solution for? What solution are you creating? How are you making it easier for your customers? How are you making their life easier? And really tapping into that as a solution. For example, my friend who has the pet food boutique, her store is farm to paw. And I'm trying to think of what the byline is. They've got a great one, but they've really positioned as we are the resource for the healthiest pets possible, farm to paw. So they're not in the grocery store. Their market are not the grocery store. So they're not selling on price. They are selling on value. They're not selling on price. That's the first new business rule is shifting from sales to solutions. The second one is shifting from transactions to relationships. And this is back to what we started talking about is no business can wait for a customer to walk in your store or call you on the phone or send you an email or opt in on your website. You cannot wait for them to come to you. So yes, you have to have marketing campaigns that they find you in the first place. But once they found you, you need to cultivate them as a relationship. So it's once you've created some kind of value, it's opening that up, developing that, building trust. You want to position yourself as a trusted solution partner for your customer base so that when they need something that you're in the arena of providing, you're who they think of. You're there. They wouldn't even go anywhere else because they know you're going to take care of them. Mm. So, Patty, that can be very hard to do to identify that unique value that you offer, especially if you're just starting out. What advice do you have for that specifically on identifying that unique value that your business offers? Great question. Ask everyone, what did they think about what you just did for them? Ask everyone, whether it's in a testimonial, video testimonial, written testimonial, or just asking for feedback. Every single person, you want to know what worked, what didn't work, what would they like more of, what would they like less of, and just engaging. Again, people like to be asked. We don't like 
to receive an automatic survey after every purchase we make. I mean, that drives everybody crazy. Everyone's trying to do this now. But just go and ask permission. Can I find out how that experience was for you? What did you like? Is there anything missing that you would like more of? If you increase the feedback you're getting, because people want to tell you, if you give them permission, they want to tell you. And you want to appreciate the good, bad, and the ugly because all of it's important information. There's a book I highly recommend every entrepreneur read called Mm -hmm. A Complaint is a Gift by Janelle Barlow. She has a seven-step how to handle complaints, and it puts the person complaining at ease, and it puts the person receiving the complaint at ease, so -hmm. you actually get the gold underneath. It's an interesting thing that most raving fans are not people that everything's gone well with. They're people that something Mm -hmm. went wrong with, and because of how you handled it, they become raving fans. Customers themselves often don't know the questions to ask to make an effective purchasing decision or to give you proper feedback. So how should you approach a customer engagement to solve their needs and to learn more about what they're really looking for? Tanya, I'm so grateful that you brought that up because it's actually, for me, one of the most important pieces is we take for granted, we think everyone else knows what we know, so we completely underplay the value we bring. And if we just want to start at the fundamental how you create value for your customers, it's helping them make an effective decision. Just that, if you help your customers make a decision that they're happy with and they feel confident about, you've created a huge amount of value. And we forget that. So we wait for customers to ask us rather than guiding, asking probing questions and guiding customers to make an effective decision. A good story that comes to mind was a friend of mine decided he wanted to put up a shelf in his office and he went to one of those storage stores and he's in the shelving aisle and a young clerk came up to him and said, can I help you? And my friend Dan said, no, I'm fine. Standard response. But this young guy is on the ball. This young clerk said, what kind of wall would you like to put the shelf up on? Now he's got him. Now it's a relevant question because he knows these are the things you need to know to make a decision on what shelf to buy. But Dan doesn't have a clue. So he said drywall. And then the young clerk said, what would you like to put on that shelf? Some knickknacks, some books. Then he went into the why. It anchors into the wall. And if you were to buy this shelf, which is the shelf Dan was looking at, it'll probably fall down with the weight you've got on type of wall within a month. Mm -hmm. So Dan said, thank you very much. Bought an $85 shelf. He was looking at a $25 Mm -hmm. shelf, but he Mm -hmm. walked out of that store so much happier with his purchase Mm -hmm. because he got what he needed. If he hadn't had that help, he would have bought the $25 shelf. It would have fallen off the wall. And he would have thought that's a cheap store. People don't know the questions. I remember when I decided to buy a flat screen TV and I was lucky enough to have a local store. I had gone with a budget of $400. This is probably 10 years ago. And I got hooked into the new LED at the time. It was new LED technology. I walked out buying a $1,200 home theater setup (laughs) and they set it up for me and it was fully installed and I was happy. Because I actually ended up happy with the purchase. And you really need to understand that you asking questions to find out what their needs are based on your experience and expertise and help them make a decision that's what they're looking for. How many times have you bought something that it's not the right thing? So you end up returning it or buying and you end up spending a lot more money and still not happy with the result 
because someone hasn't helped you buy what you need. Mm. And you solve all of that, you simplify it and help people make decisions. Betty, you've created this free resource for listeners. Thank you so much for doing that. That helps us to role play with our customers. Can you please tell us more about it and how we can use it? Absolutely. It's a very simple exercise. It's basically identifying touch points in your business, all different areas of customer contact in print, on technology, face-to-face, physical, and just taking a look from your customer's perspective. Are you creating an experience that's aligned with the value you're providing? And my favorite example of that in retail stores, one of the most overlooked touch points is the receipt. Every purchase you make, you have a receipt. Does Mm -hmm. that receipt reinforce the value of what they just purchased as they're going out the store or as they get an email with the purchase? It's one of the most overlooked and easiest to adjust is to make sure that receipt reinforces the value that you've just created. It's just looking from your customer's perspective. It's a good brainstorming exercise. And there's a short video to walk you through how to use the exercise. When you say reinforcing the value on the receipt, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. There are functional things that have to be on a receipt, right? The store name, the address, what you purchased, how you purchased it, the date. There are functional things that have to be. But then I certainly would like to see a logo. I've seen some receipts that are in black and white, but the logo is designed so it almost looks like it's color because of the different shades of gray. Your byline or impact statement should be on it. At the bottom, if you want people to do a survey or please come back or have you joined us on Facebook, we share tips for your whatever. So how can you turn something that's functional into reinforcing the value? What I love about the point card is that you've created different versions for different types of businesses. And it really connects to what you spoke about just now about being thoughtful about all the different areas and all the different touch points that you have of your customer. Do you have a tip on how to approach using this scorecard? My tip would be two things. Watch the video. It's a very short video. It's maybe 10, 11 minutes long. And the video will literally guide you through with some examples. The different versions, it's all the same tool. It just gives you different sample copy as a starting point to make it easier to adapt it and edit it for yourself. And then do it with other people. So if you've got a team, do it with your team. If you're working by yourself, who's helping you? I want to talk a little bit about work-life balance as well, because you've created your success without sacrificing your personal life. And you've said that you're religious about your free days. (laughs) Does this come naturally to you from the get-go, from when you started out back in university, or did you have to create this? Oh, that is, it did not come naturally. I was (laughs) the worst at it. I was one of those ones that was always working because One of the opportunities of being an entrepreneur is you get to choose when you work. One of the challenges of being an entrepreneur is you get to choose when you work, which often means you work all the time. And that that was definitely me. I was good at getting something off the ground, but I didn't know how to create the infrastructure to take it beyond startup mode. And in 1997, I came across a company called Strategic Coach. That was one of the primary shifts to going beyond startup mode, to building an infrastructure and a foundation of business growth was being able to take time off. 
strategic coach talks about it. This is uh, entrepreneur Dan Sullivan and his wife, Bab Smith. And the premise of this is that you have to recharge your batteries. If you're not taking time off to recharge your batteries, you don't have your creativity. And entrepreneurs aren't paid on their time. They're paid on the results they produce. Regardless of how much time you put in, you only get paid when you produce results. So if you're not recharging your battery, you're tired. And if you're tired, you're not producing results. You're just putting in time. So it's actually counterproductive. And even knowing that, it took me a while to not feel guilty for not working on the weekends. Now, don't ask me a business question on the weekend because my brain isn't even going to go there. (laughs) But it was a pivotal shift that taking time off to recharge is a prerequisite for business growth and success. Patsy, does this connect with the idea that you mentioned earlier about embracing being in the game of life, being on and off the court? Yes, absolutely. When you're recharged, when your battery's full, if you will, then if something goes wrong, you sit back and think, oh, that was interesting. Okay, let's take a look at what worked and what didn't work and what did I learn and how can I use this going forward? All of a sudden, you're embracing everything that happens as an opportunity for you. Whether it worked or didn't work, it's actually leading to your future success. If you're tired, it's like you can't get out of this horrible negative loop that everything is crushing down on you. And really, all that's going on is you're tired. You cannot stay in the game of life on the court if you're not taking care of your energy and your well-being. You come across as a very optimistic, yet focused and reasonable person. (laughs) And I've seen on your blog as well that you encourage us to allow for gratitude in the face of change and challenge and during the coming year. Do you have a habit or a strategy for how you cultivate or focus on gratitude regularly that you would recommend for someone? Honey, that's a great question. It's become so ingrained. I'm trying to think if there was a place where I started. I'm not a great journaler. A lot of people write journals. I like to meditate and don't do it often enough. I think that's another great resource. Right now, my goal this year, I'm working on the first hour of the day is my time to do some exercise, to do some meditation, walk the dogs, and then get into the day. And gratitude is definitely in that. I just find myself. So that's what I'm working on. But What I find is I just say thank you all the time. Like just in my head, Mm -hmm. a parking spot opens up as I'm driving in. Thank you. Sometimes it's when something's gone wrong, it's become a practice to stop and say thank you, even if I'm thank you, (laughs) and then then say, all right, what happened here? What went well? What worked? What didn't go? What didn't work? What did I learn? And I think that thinking process has definitely done me well. And I just notice in my mind, I'm just, I just say thank you all the time. Thank you, Patty. There's two questions I want to use to close off our chat today. The first one is when you reflect on your entrepreneurial journey, which strategy, habit, or mindset have you personally found to have helped you the most to achieve success that others can learn from? I know it's hard to choose just one, but if I forced you, (laughs) what would you say? We talked about the idea of free days and allowing recharge time earlier, and I couldn't be doing anything of what I'm doing now without that. One of my business mentors, Dan Sullivan, was strategic coach, came out with a book with Benjamin Hardy this year called Who Not How. And Dan shared that 
concept a couple of years ago in the strategic coach program, it's been pivotal. So who not how is that as an entrepreneur, your job is to come up with some kind of a solution, a creative opportunity, a business idea, whatever it is, your job is the creation. And then when you start to try and figure out how to do it, you get mired in the muck. So the first thing to do is realize that your job is to be creative and then find who can help you and support you. And listen, when you're in startup, it's beg, borrow, and steal. Have friends, family help you wherever you can. But there's also so many resources now. I use Upwork a lot. I've used Fiverr, a lot of different organizations that you just on a piecemeal, not expensive. Like for example, all of my online resources have been created into PDF, writable PDF tools. All of that I've outsourced to somebody I found in Upwork. There's no way I could have done that myself. I mocked it out on an Excel spreadsheet and then they created it into a nice, lovely, workable tool. So definitely a key piece for me is if you find yourself bogged down, it's probably because you're trying to figure out how to make something happen instead of figuring out who can make that happen for you. Mm, That's excellent advice. We often feel we need to do it all, right? (laughs) Especially when we start out. Especially in the beginning. Yes. My last question for you today, Patty, based on your experience, what advice do you have for first-time entrepreneurs on which relationships they should prioritize when starting out and what they can do to build these relationships strongly? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think you're spot on. None of us do anything in a vacuum, anything worthwhile. We do collaboratively. And that doesn't mean you have to have a huge staff. My team's all virtual. And then I have a lot of people that work on projects. Where to start? I would say work on projects. So choose the most important projects and who can support you on those. And again, I found a lot of great resources that I work with over and over time when I need them only through Upwork. That's been a great resource for me. So put it down into a tangible project base and then who can support you on that. And then the key piece for me is how to build strong relationships. Strong relationships are based on trust and connection. One of my rules of thumb is that if I'm meeting with any team member, they're treated as an A client. I show up on time, Mm -hmm. I'm prepared, and I'm fully present. And they bring their A game because I bring my A game and they need to be treated with that level of respect. That builds relationship and in the end produces dramatically greater results. Mm. Thank you so much, Patty, for joining us on Startup Advantage today. You've provided us with a lot of value, and we really are grateful for that. How can listeners connect with you? My website's a great place, which is pattymara.com, P-A-T-I-M-A-R-A.com. And as you said, Tanya, the link, uh, which is pattymara.com forward slash Startup Advantage, will actually take you to a hidden page on the website. It's just for your podcast listeners. And that's where you can download the Touchpoint scorecard. There's a link if you'd like to purchase the book, Upsolutions. And you can also join, I have a Facebook group, an Upsolutions Facebook group that I'm available. It's I answer questions, I post resources. This is the time of the entrepreneur. We have an advantage, we're adaptable, we're creative. This is our time. And so really, I just want to see us all thrive. And as we thrive, we bring our communities out of crisis. 
I'll share that perspective. Absolutely. Thank you again so much. Tanya, thank you for having me on. Just an absolute treat. Thank you so much, Patty. I'm feeling gratitude for you again in this moment. And as you do and you practice your gratitude and you just express that thank you in the moment, I'm doing that on behalf of myself and everybody else who listened to our conversation. So if you've been listening, what do you think of the conversation we just had with Patty? Do you feel encouraged that there are opportunities in change and that there are specific things that you can do to build strong relationships with your customers? I hope your answer is a strong yes. I hope you'll download a free copy of Patty's Touchpoint Scorecard. It will help you to approach your customer interactions and touch points thoughtfully to create customer relationships that become strong and that build loyalty. You can download your free copy by following the link in the show notes. And if you really enjoyed Patty's views, purchasing a copy of her book Absolutions will give you further access to her strategies and mindsets and it will also support her. If there's one thing I want you to take away from this episode, it is that there is opportunity and change for you and that accessibility and engagement is key to building strong customer relationships in the coming year. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend who you know is looking to shift their perspective to a positive one that's focused on looking for opportunities and creating opportunities. Or if you have a friend who needs support with building strong customer relationships, this episode will serve them too. We spoke today about accessibility and how it's key for the coming year. And I want to try and support you with this further. So next week, we'll look at this in a bit more detail. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Startup Advantage podcast with me, Tanya. This is your Startup Advantage where entrepreneurship is considered a team sport. So please share it with a friend who will benefit from it. And if you want to support this podcast, please write a review in your favorite podcast player. Stay safe and have a great week.